Welcome to the Snark Podcast. Today, Shoftim, Chapter 15. So, happy Hanukkah. Fire is on my mind. And it's not only because of Hanukkah that fire is on my mind, but it is because of the chapter that we're about to read where Shimshon definitely does start the fire. First, a couple of words maybe about the geography, the geography behind this story. Shimshon is from Bet Shemesh, Ben Tzora Uvenesh Te'ol. It seems like his name is from Bet Shemesh. And Tzora, if you drive to Bet Shemesh from, I don't know, from the Jerusalem Tel Aviv High Road along Route 38, you pass Kibbutz Eshta'ol, and then you actually pass Nachal Sorek, which we'll talk about next class. And then you uh, see Bet Shemesh on your left, and soon you see Kibbutz Sora. These are the bits of Israel whereby you have, if you want, the coastal plain. And Bet Shemesh brings us into the foothills of Jerusalem until you get to the high hills of Jerusalem, which are about seven to 800 meters above sea level. Why is this relevant? Because this is the natural border between the coastal plain and the hills. In the time in which Shimshon is living, um, the Philistines control the coastal plain. It's meant to be the tribal territory of Dun, the tribe of Dun. And that's why uh, in, the, in, in the coastal plain, you have actually, actually the Dun bus company. And it's frequently referred to the area around Tel Aviv as Gush Dun, because it is the tribe of Dun. However, because of the Philistines, the tribe of Dun found it very, very difficult to uh, take hold of their tribal territory. And um, as we will see in this story, uh, in subsequent chapters, and even in the story of the capture of the Aron, which we're going to read in Shmuel Aleph, Perak, uh, Hay and Vav, uh, the borderland between the Jews and the Philistines is right there along Route 38. Um, everything uh, westwards, is Philistine territory, and uh, the hills, the foothills, become the natural border. This, by the way, is all the way up till the time of uh, David and Goliath. All those stories. Um, it's the foothold, the, the foothills, which become the border between the Philistines on the plain and the Jews who occupy the hills. And that's the background to our story. Um, Shimshon, as we heard, has. Um, his wife has been given to another man. Uh, he didn't fulfill, apparently in time, his wedding agreements, or simply they were so outraged. And it says it is Ketzir Chitim, it's the summer or the spring when you're, they're going to, to reap all the crops. Shimshon comes to his wife and her father says to him, we said that you hated her and we gave her to uh, somebody else. If you want, you can have his, her younger sister. <laughs> Shimshon is furious, and he says, I'm going to have it with the plishtim. And what he does is he captures 300 foxes. This, by the way, is going to remind us, possibly, of the 300 soldiers of Gidon, whereas Gidon managed to defeat the enemy with 300 soldiers. Here, he claps, captures 300 foxes. You sort of wonder how he did that and kept them and fed them. And, and then he, he ties the 
tor torches of fire um, between their tails so that each two of them have one torch between them and they're pushing this way and that way. He sets the torches on fire. And what the result of all of this is that all the fields around in the coastal plain, basically they run rampage throughout the whole area and set all of the wheat harvest on fire. This is very, very similar to what um, Hamas tried to do from Gaza when they used to send over balloons with uh, firebombs on them to try and set on fire all the fields in the area around Gaza. This time it is Shimshon attacking Gaza with this methodology. One of the big questions here that we have, remember, remember the original Nuvuah with that uh, Malach, that Shimshon is meant to be sent, saving the Israelites from the Philistines. When's he going to start doing this? And th this is really telling in the next scene as well, which takes place uh, after this big uh, guerrilla action that he's done with the fire. He uh, goes and hides in a Sisela, in a cave, as one does, in a place called Etam. Etam is behind Ephrat of today. He goes into Eretz Yehuda, and interestingly enough, what happens is the Plishtim come and they encamp against Yehuda um, in a place called Lechi. Lechi is going to be significant because it's going to come back in the story. Um, how many Philistines? We'll see from the end of the story. It sounds like only a thousand. And they basically uh, turn round to the Yehuda and give them their terms. We're not interested in attacking you, Yehuda, but you've got to bring us Shimshon. And therefore, Yehuda send 3,000 soldiers to Etam and say, listen, we've got to give you into the Philistines or else we've got war with the Philistines. And he says, look, just don't kill me. And uh, when eventually they hand him over, they tie him up with, and this is such an interesting theme once again, um, they tie him up with new ropes, the ropes that, you know, will um, keep him completely tied up. But... What happens with him? Again, whenever he is angry or when he's agitated, suddenly we feel this Ruach Hashem, and it tells us that these these ropes are like Pishtim Asher Baru Ba'ish. You're seeing a theme like flax, which are burnt by fire. They simply melt. And then he takes a Lechi. He said the word Lechi, right? They camp in Lechi. He takes the jawbone of a Chamor, and he uses it as a weapon to kill a thousand men. And he even says a little poem. The poetry of the Shimshon stories are, are, are quite quite exceptional. Belechia chamor, chamor, chamor atayim. Belechia chamor, hikiti elef ish. With the jawbone of a chamor, I have made piles out of the Philistines. I have killed a thousand people. Um, this is the story. What should have happened or what could have happened at this point? If 3,000 soldiers had come in order to capture Shimshon, what he should have turned around to them and said is, now's the time to revolt. Now is the time to stage the rebellion. We just rem remembered the number 300. If Gidon managed to defeat the enemy with 300 soldiers, Shimshon should certainly be able to defeat the enemy with 3,000 soldiers. But Shimshon... It doesn't even cross his mind. The irony of Shimshon is he is a man who thinks about himself. He thinks about his own vendettas. And he is somehow unable to live up to 
this reputation or this legacy, this yud uh, uh, that uh, he has been given by God. In the very last scene, and notice until now he's never turned to God, but at a certain point here, he after he's killed these thousand people, he um, he 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 gets. any long-lasting victory and this is the big dilemma this is the big question which hovers over the story of Shimshon tomorrow we'll see Shimshon's end and hopefully we'll offer some uh, directions for trying to put all of this all together see you then happy Hanukkah Yeah.